What's up, everybody? Welcome to the second episode of The Crossroads, celebrating 20 years of the Xbox brand. My name is Ryan Turford, and this is the show where we're counting down the months to the 20th anniversary of the original Xbox with 50 of the best games to play on the console for both new and experienced owners. We dive into the brief history of each game and talk about what makes them awesome. As always, we'd love your feedback on this and all of our shows over on Twitter at the Xbox Drive, where you can reach out to me directly anytime at Ryan Turford, or you can leave comments in the video, in the description of this video if you want to as well. Now, James Bond, it's a name that's really synonymous with films, books. I mean, it, James Bond actually started in the books, mind you, but we mostly know him from the movies. But did you know that James Bond has been around forever in video games? He actually has quite a big history in the video game landscape, even before GoldenEye, because GoldenEye is the one that everyone always thinks of. Um, going all the way back to 1982's Shaken But Not Stirred, which appeared on the ZX Spectrum. It was basically like a text adventure, essentially. Um, but then you, we had like the more traditional James Bond game in 1983's James Bond 007 on the Atari 2600. Um, it also came to like the 5200 and, and Commodore and a bunch of other platforms as well. Um, and that's kind of what kicked us off with James Bond games. Like, there have actually been, believe it or not, 29 games from James Bond in the James Bond franchise. Uh, up until now, up until actually the 30th release, which is going to be Project 007 from IO Interactive sometime in the next couple of years. Uh, we, that actually just got announced this year, the year that we're recording this, 2020. And uh, I mean, James Bond has been around forever. However, it really wasn't until this little game right here, 007 GoldenEye on the N64, that really start, people started thinking about James Bond as being this awesome video game character. Even And uh, yes, he was a character that was very beloved in a lot of other mediums, but it wasn't really until this game that he finally got the recognition he, he deserved on consoles anyways. Because another game that I actually think of a lot when I think about James Bond is actually James Bond The Duel, which was on the Sega Genesis. It was a game I used to play a lot on Sega Channel, because um, I've talked about it before. Sega Channel was kind of like the Netflix of uh, of Sega, where you'd hook your cable line into your into a custom cartridge into your Sega Genesis, and it would be a subscription you subscribe to, and you just download some games from a selection that they have onto your console. And that's how I played that game. I played it an awful lot. So um, I was actually a big fan of the GoldenEye movie. So when GoldenEye came out, I was really excited for that game. But I mean, this really kicked off basically us getting yearly James Bond releases every single year up until basically 2005, where that kind of stopped because and I've got them all here. If you're watching the video here, we've got Tomorrow Never Dies, which came out uh, pretty quickly afterwards. Um, this is actually when EA picked up the license uh, after uh, the one game after uh, GoldenEye came out um, because Rare had sort of abandoned the IP um, or they just moved away from it because they only really do kind of one off license games. Um, but uh, Tomorrow Never Dies was the first of the EA slate. Um, and then after that, we had The World Is Not Enough, which also came out on PlayStation, but I actually have the N64 copy of it. Um, but then with the original Xbox, we had five James Bond games. I'm only showing four in the video because I don't actually have um, GoldenEye Rogue Agent. I just don't have a physical copy of it, um, mainly because I don't really like that game. I used to have a copy of it back in the day, but um, we're going to go through these real quick. So we got Agent Under Fire, which basically was EA's first kick of the can on uh, the second generation of consoles. It actually came out pretty quickly after the original Xbox, um, but it didn't feature Pierce Brosnan as James Bond. It was um, basically a fictional James Bond. They didn't want to tie to a movie um, because I think 
what EA noticed was um, they had to push these games out very quickly. Um, but tying them to a movie every time was not always the smartest idea because the movies wouldn't exactly come out when they kind of wanted these games to come out. So they actually decided that from now on, for the most part, they would go down the original games route. So again, we got Agent Under Fire. Uh, next, we got 007 Nightfire, which was a new James Bond story, but it featured Pierce Brosnan for the first time as Bond reprising his role in the game. Again, we had his likeness in Tomorrow Never Dies and The World Is Not Enough, but we finally had him him doing the voice acting in this game in a, in a virtual adventure, which again, Nightfire is uh, a game that I know people really like, um, but it wasn't really well recognized at the time, but I think people have really come around on that game. Uh, then we had Everything or Nothing, uh, which had um, basically Pierce Brosnan in, in, in the role, but it was a third person adventure game. Um, and it was actually a lot of fun. It, it basically, um, EA moved away from the first person shooter model from Nightfire. Nightfire was the last one that did that. Um, and this one, everything or nothing was really good. It actually almost made this list, but it was, it fell just short. It, this is probably, I'd probably rank this in the fifties or sixties as far as, um, the, the top Xbox games of my choice anyways. But that brings us to today's games, folk. And that game is from Russia with love, Sean Connery back in the role once again, um, which is, which just super exciting to see. Um, this was actually a really re late release on the Xbox. I mean, Xbox games were coming out until I think 2007 at the latest, but, um, from Russia with love in particular came out like a week before the Xbox 360 did. So, um, it was actually a, a, a lot later of a release on the uh, original Xbox. And it definitely shows as to, why I, I picked it for this list, because I do think out of all these games, as much as I like uh, all the games I rattled off, Agent Under Fire, Nightfire, and Everything or Nothing, I think From Russia with Love actually definitely holds up the best out of all four of those games, um, especially if you're going to play it today. But I'm going to tell you more about the game right now. The plot in From Russia for Love is the same as the 1963 film it's based off of. After the defeat of Dr. No, Octopus seeks revenge against James Bond and seeks to kill him in a humiliating way. To do this, they try and trick Bond into stealing a Russian encoding machine called the Lector after receiving this info from a defecting Soviet agent named Tatiana Romanova. After discovering that Tatiana is being used by Octopus, Bond turns his attention to Octopus to try and stop their plotting once and for all, along with her help. Now, in case you're confused by this plot synopsis, they were unable to use the name Spectre in the game as it was tied up in the lawsuit over the movie Thunderball at the time. And those who aren't familiar with the James Bond franchise, Spectre was actually the big like evil organization um, over the course of like the first four or five Bond movies. Um, and it was almost like, they were almost like James Bond's uh, nemesis. And actually we finally got to see them come back in in uh, Spectre in one of the modern James Bond movies. But uh, it wasn't, it wasn't for very long after uh, Thunderball came out that we just we stopped seeing them as the villains and it was always just one-off villains in James Bond films but it was cool to kind of have this like overarching like story that connected all the movies together and, and Spectre definitely helped that so they were actually renamed in this game to Octopus otherwise the plot is pretty much the same from the movie I mean there are two additional characters in the game that weren't in the the movie itself um but they're like very like one-off throwaway characters they don't play too much into the plot of this game um but at the same time it gives it a little bit of extra flair it gives you a reason why you're playing this as opposed to just watching the movie because the movie definitely does take less time to do to uh, than actually playing the game outright while many of the characters had their likenesses brought 
into the game itself. Only Sean Connery returned to provide brand new voice work for the game, which also happened to be his very first video game appearance, as well as his final appearance as the titular Bond. And that's one of the things I actually really like about uh, From Russia With Love is that we didn't really see the, the Sean Connery era of Bond in video games. It was mostly Piers Brosnan, um, other than, again, some some of the other text adventures or some of the, the PC-only games from the 80s, it was mostly just modern Bond. We never really saw this Bond get the, the treatment that he really deserved, I think, in video game form. And I think From Russia With Love definitely did a great job of, of representing this version of Bond, which I know for a lot of people is actually their favorite version of Bond. While it wasn't the same exact vocal cast from the films, each voice actor did actually a really great job of portraying the character that they were playing, and nothing really felt like it was out of place. Like when we talked about The Lord of the Rings on last week's episode, it really felt like playing the movie, and it really felt like an authentic production of the film in video game form, and yeah, like EA went all out with this game. I think that um, they did a great job. In fact, it, it's it, the studio behind this was actually EA Redwood Shores, and they actually worked on a lot of the BOD games, and if, if that name sounds familiar, that they were the studio that eventually became um, Visceral Studios, which then made Dead Space as well as all of the Dead Space games. And they were actually working on um, the, the new Star Wars game until it got canceled, uh, the one with Amy Heading, um, which would have been really exciting. They were, they were almost like going back to their, their roots that really originated from these James Bond games. Um, so it's just really cool to look back on it now because... Uh, Visceral Studios, is, I think, is a, a studio that is well regarded nowadays for Dead Space, but uh, you get to see their humble beginnings. Plus, you get to see a lot of the DNA from the Dead Space base games, both in Everything or Nothing or From Russia with Love. Like, this is kind of where that third person model at Visceral Studios really came from. It really, uh, its genesis was from these two games. However, what really stands out the most when replaying all of the James Bond games today on Xbox is how well refined the combat is in From Russia With Love in comparison to its counterparts. Starting with Everything or Nothing, EA went to the third-person perspective, as I mentioned, and while it was a good first attempt, the, it was really fully tuned in From Russia With Love. The cover-shooting third-person combat is a bit on the easy side to start with, thanks to a powerful lock-on mechanic, but it does become much more challenging as you progress through the game, and it actually feels really satisfying at the same time due to the addition of Bond's gadgets as well as the combat variety. In one level, you'll be sneaking into an enemy installation, while another, you'll be driving around Moscow and getting yourself into car chases, or you'll be rescuing a hostage using a jetpack. No two levels feel identical, and it really feels fun to play throughout the entire experience. There aren't really any dips in the gameplay or anything like that, and I think that it's just a really solid experience from start to finish, and it doesn't really overstay its welcome at all. You can finish the game in about six to seven hours, which again, if you are paying full price for this game, yeah, I can imagine why you might not be into that and you might want more bang for your buck. Um, there are obviously reasons for going back to it. Number one, um, there's a whole bunch of collectibles you can get um, that will unlock a whole bunch of other cool stuff in the game. Uh, but there's also four player co uh, multiplayer, which is actually pretty fun if you've got friends. Um, so there are definitely reasons to go back to this game once you once you finish it. Obviously, if we were talking about this as a full price game, I'd say obviously just rent it. But I mean, now you can probably get a copy of this game for like, 10, 15 bucks complete. So honestly, for the six hour, six to seven hours for the campaign, I think it's worth that price of admission alone. It's it's a really solid experience from top to bottom. So how well does From Russia With Love hold up today? 
with it releasing in late 2005, right around the launch of the Xbox 360. Visually, From Russia With Love still looks, runs, and plays great today when compared to other third-person shooters on the original Xbox. It doesn't support 480p or any of the higher visual fidelities that the X original Xbox gives us support because people forget the original Xbox actually supported all the way up to 1080i if you had component cables, um, but this game in particular didn't really get any visual upgrades or anything like that. It's a fantastic pickup for fans of the Sean and Connery era of Bond, as well as for those that really like spy video games that maybe never have gone back and watched the old Bond films. Um, again, like this is one of the games that actually inspired me to go back and watch the old 60s Bond films with, with Connery because I had never checked them out as like I didn't grow up with them or anything like that since I grew up in the 80s. Um, I know like I mostly grew up with like the Roger Dalton or um, other versions of Bond and Pierce Brosnan, of course, was, is kind of known as like the Bond that I feel like most gravitated to um, just because, again, of the, the time and place of when those movies released, even though I definitely think, for example, Daniel Craig's probably the best Bond we've had. But uh, at the same time, it's still cool to see um, this game kind of inspired me to go back and watch all the old Bond movies. So I think if you pick this up, if you are at all interested in James Bond, I think it's a great game. I think it still really holds up today. And it's still really worth a pickup, regardless of what platform you play it on, because it's on PS2 and GameCube as well. But the original Xbox version, of course, is the best version. So you should definitely play it there. That's all for this episode of The Crossroads. You can hit me up on Twitter anytime at Ryan Turford. You also find the Pantsman himself on Twitter at Sean Capri or us on Twitter at The Xbox Drive. Thank you so much for listening or watching to this episode of The Crossroads, and we out. Oh.